0: Without Bill, I don't think I'd be, I definitely wouldn't be where I am. He saw me as a young punk and he allowed me to, you were gracious with your encouragements, thanks. Energetic, what was it? Energetic and funny? That was what you said in Pied Piper. Wow, just three encouraging things, nothing. There was a lot of other things going on too, Bill. (laughs) And, uh, but yeah, I'm just so thankful for Bill, and, uh, yeah, just his leadership and mentor, mentorship in my life. Uh, right to the point of, I remember in my first year of marriage, and Melissa and I, Melissa, my wife, she's, uh, she's gonna be coming later today, and she says, um, or I, we got in a really big blowout, like a big fight, you know, like some of you who are married, you know what I'm talking about, or dating, you know, like big fight, like blowout. It was the kind of one where I was like, door slamming, people were, uh, language was changing, volume was raised, and, uh. And I remember I was slamming the door, and I, I, I thought, oh, well, i got to let her know I'm coming back. So I yelled. I'm like, I'm really mad right now, but I'm going to come back, and we'll sort it out. Slam! You know? Like, I was like, I really wanted to slam the door, but I had to make sure that there was some, like, hey, I'm coming back. This isn't over. You know? Like, and I was like, now what do I do? I'm out of the house. And I was like, and I hadn't actually talked to Bill for, like, six months at that point. And I was like, where do I go? I'm, like, out. I'm angry at my wife. I don't want to be at home. I'm like, i got to go to Bill's, and so. <laughs> I went over to Bill and Dorothy's, and as usual, they just let me in the house and into the kitchen, and uh, and we just hung out. And so that was like, you can imagine that was a special for me uh, moment for, in my journey. Uh, but guys, I'm so thankful to be with you this morning, Thanksgiving Sunday, and uh, uh, I love Pastor Derwin and Angel, and, and like I said, Bill and Dorothy just met Simon this morning. And uh, I'm a son of Hillside. I know most of, I know ton, many of you. I know I don't know everyone. Uh, for those of you who I don't know, hey, I'm Ben. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a son of Hillside. I was here for uh, about five, six, seven years, years ago. And uh, really thankful for, um, yeah, this church and what God has done through this church. And, so, and continues to do. This morning, I got uh, an assignment from the team. And so I'm going to merge the assignment with just with kind of what God has been doing in my own life and my heart recently. The assignment is we're going through a series here called the Way of Jesus. And uh, last week Bill talked about his life and how we uh, we do life in and with and for Jesus. And uh, today it's uh, we want to talk about the subject of his mission, his mission, and that I'm being sent to. By Jesus to bless and to invite others to follow Him. I'm um, being sent, and I was like kind of pumped about the the topic because that's that's like I just love the mission. I just love the. Uh, I remember, uh, yeah, this this idea of the mission that that we get, get to tell people, we get to invite people to follow Jesus is like really captivated my heart, and it especially captivated my heart around the time I was 18, 19. And the thought for me was this: the thought for me was, oh my gosh, He's real and he loves us and i don't know if you've had a moment where you just realized god was real you didn't i'm not talking about just believing in god i don't know if if you have to have this moment you could just know it you can just believe it you know i grew up in a home a church family and so i kind of knew god was real my whole life but then there was this moment when i was like 18 or 19 where it just hit me i'm like oh he's real and it was like and the difference was it doesn't matter if i believe or not if he's real he's real do you know what i mean like if he is real that he's real whether or not we believe in him Do you know <laughs> like you know like we cannot believe in things but it's still I was like oh he's real and he loves me and I was just so being transformed and captivated by this idea of love and I don't know uh, if you've you've ex- encountered the presence of God encountered the love of God in ways that brings you to tears i remember in my in that season of life those those moments where i just was like oh my goodness he's real he loves me his mercy his forgiveness his patience is so good and i remember tears and and then and then passion right a lot of young people and a lot of people who first start following jesus they're passionate and they want to tell everybody so i wanted to tell everybody and i and the, the biggest thing in the front of my mind was he's real and he loves us he's real and he loves us and so on my 19th birthday i remember on my 19th birthday I invited some friends over, and I was like, I wasn't interested in going to drink or anything because God had just captivated my heart. So my 19th birthday, I remember I invited friends over. I think we maybe went out and had some dinner or something, and then I came back to, I invited them back to my house, and and then I, I was so passionate, they were like, just like maybe a handful of friends in my living room on my couch, and I stood up, and I started just saying like, hey guys, God is real. He loves us. God is real. He loves us. This is on my eight, 19th birthday party, and it was really uncomfortable. Everyone's kind of like, and so kinda, it's kind of like those, one of those moments where people are like, okay, sure, he's real, sure. And I'm like, yeah, but he loves us. He's real. And I remember we had this moment because also I had started reading the Bible, and this is my Bible now. I had a different one then, and uh, I think it was blue then. And uh, and I was re- I remember reading the Bible, and when you read in the New Testament, you start seeing the the power and the love of God break out in so many so many powerful ways, and I was like reading this about healings and, and miracles, all of it to point to Jesus, all of it to bring glory to God, all of it to show humanity what his heart is like towards us, and I'm looking in the New Testament, and in the book of Acts especially, it's just like all this, this power and miracles, and, and I remember at my 19th birthday, I said, does anybody need healing? <laughs> I'm in my living room, there's like six people, uh, and anybody need healing? Anybody? And then this guy was like, yeah, my back really hurts. I'm like, let's pray for his back. God's real and he loves us. And so we prayed for this guy's back. I didn't know him. He had just got invited by a friend. (laughs) And I still don't know who he is. And we prayed for his back. And I was like, and then I was like, we should find out if it's real. And he's like, I'm like, how does it feel? And he's like, it feels better. And his back was like healed, you know? And I was like, but then it's like a back. So you're kind of like, is it really healed? I don't know. Right? That's what he kind of, I was thinking at the same time. I I was going, oh my gosh. I was like in a, that was back when I thought like God was like a mood. You know, have you ever gone through a phase where you feel like God's like a mood? Like you got to really get in the right mood? Like like almost like a meditative state. Like like when I worship passionately, sometimes I get, it's like a mood. I kind of scrunch my face up real good and I'll put my hands like this or like this. Like I'll just... The hands are a symbol of our heart. I I actually do this not without being, I'm not just making fun of it. I I do this. I love putting my hands here. Sometimes I touch my ear. I'm like, I want God to speak to me. Sometimes I lift my hands. I just want to surrender my life. And I, but it's like, I used to think he was just a mood. Like nobody move. God might do something. Like the Holy Spirit was just like the force. And not kind of like, hey, I'm right here. (laughs) Like you don't have to be in this weird mood. Anyhow, uh, uh, so, I, uh, the reason I say that is because I remember those moments in my living room that night being quite intense. <laughs> and, and if I could go back and do it again, I'd be a little bit more chill. <laughs> I'd love to share, uh, you know, on this subject of mission tonight, today, uh, his mission that I am being sent by Jesus to bless others and to invite them to follow him. Uh, just kind of uh, my heart and some of the stuff God's been teaching me. And. The biggest thing that sticks out to my heart is, is that I more and more, especially in the last month, for some reason, something's happened in the last month in my heart, where I want to do all of this from the place of, from and to uh, identity, uh, the identity of I am so loved by God. I am so loved by God. I want to do it from, I want all the the scent, all the mission, all the activity, uh I want it to be from the place of, I am so loved. I'm a loved son. My friend Patrick, when he preaches, he's a preacher, and he when he speaks, uh, he always calls the church the beloved. He says, beloved. He says, beloved. And then he goes, da, 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 da. And he goes beloved, listen. Da, da, da. He goes, you beloved. Da, da, da. And I don't quite say beloved, but I'm like, I think it's the best name for us. I think it just sounds a bit weird. I, I, can't, I can't say it naturally. Beloved. And then people are like, what? What are you calling me? Beloved? It's just so random. Um, and then I'm like, I try, I've, mentally I've tried to think, like, can I ever, when I talk, To the church, can I say, you who are so loved by God, and then finish the sentence? It's just too long, it takes too much energy. But I think to myself, I love that. Like, I, I don't I can't get I can't get my head around saying it, beloved, and calling everyone beloved all the time, but that's the best name for you. That's who you are. You're the beloved. And so the and from that place that's where I want to do mission from that's where I want to be sent from uh, in with like Bill was talking about last week trusting along with Jesus I'm, we go with him I want to I want to operate and live from that place of being loved I experience more freedom I experience more uh, love in my and gracious grace in my relationships forgiveness in my relationships when I know I'm loved it's like it changes everything freedom from my insecurities way more freedom from my insecurities freedom from uh, from fear, like, when I know who I am, I am so loved, and then I live from that place, and then it's my mission, on mission with Jesus, it's, it's, my hope is to go to that place, it's, it's from and to this identity, so if I'm on a mission and I want to share Christ with someone, it's why? Why? Why do I want to share Christ from them? It's not to check off, check off a religious checklist. It's not to say, okay, Jesus, I did my thing. I, I did, you know, I checked the, the box today of I, I shared my faith or I prayed for someone who didn't know you or whatever it was. It's not, to, it's not a, a religious system of rules that I'm trying to do. It's from love, being loved, and it's to love. It's like, why do I want to talk to somebody about Jesus? Because they're so loved. He loves them so much. He loves them so much. I was sitting on uh, an airplane uh, in Australia. We ripped around a few different cities. Uh, so I was just in Australia for most of the month of September, which is wild. So last Sunday, I was preaching at a church called River Life Baptist Church in Brisbane. And uh, and uh, and then I was like, this is so fun. And then this Sunday, I get to be at Hillside Community Church in Coquitlam. And... Uh, and I remember, I'm like, this is just a fun adventure you have me on, God. And, I, and, and when I went down there, I was just talking, and I just wanted to tell people they were loved. And so as I was preparing for my Australia trip, I was praying, and I was like, God, what should I teach on? I was thinking about it and praying about it. And the idea kept coming to me, You are loved. And I was like, I'm like, am I actually going to fly to Australia just to tell people that they're loved by God? I'm like, it feels kind of like basic. <laughs> You know what I mean? And I was like, maybe I should, like if I'm a traveling preacher, I should have like a fancier theological message or something. I should dazzle people with the theology. <laughs> but it was like, the more I thought about it, the more I prayed about it, I was like, no, that's, yeah, I guess that's what I'm, I'm going to go. I really want to tell people they're so loved. Uh, and so, uh, but what was I, I was talking about the plane. I was on an airplane, and, and I'm sitting next to this guy. Uh, it was a packed airplane. It was, um, which was not comfortable. When you're tall like me, airplanes that they're not as fun as for little people. Um, and so my friend Charlie's on this side. Charlie was our host, he works for Alpha in Australia. And then on this side it was a stranger I didn't know, and we didn't do like we didn't talk like at the beginning. You like you don't sometimes you don't talk. You get on a bus, you get on a plane, you get you know, you end up in a public situation next to someone, you don't always talk. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. This time we didn't really. And then uh, the drink cart was coming by. And, I, and my friend Charlie got a beer, and I was like, what kind of beer is that? He told me, and I was like, oh, yeah, I want one, too. And then a thought came to my mind. It was just a thought. Maybe you shouldn't get a drink, because this guy might be a recovering alcoholic. And then I was like, oh, yeah, maybe. And then I was like, it was just a thought, though. I was like, is this a God thought or just a thought? And then I was like, I'll take one, too. And so I took a beer, <laughs> and this is what happened. I took a beer, and then she kind of half-opened, and she half opened it, and she half-opened it. And I was like, oh, what if it's a God thought? And so I have this half-open beer in front of me. I was like, "Charlie, here, you can have this one too." And so Charlie had two beers, and I didn't have any beers. And I was, I was like, and I was like, "Oh no!" Like now, like, am I going to have to try to have a conversation with this guy on the plane? And these, this was—I want to tell you my thought process, and then I'll tell you what happened too. My thought process was, and and this is me, even as an extrovert. So if you're an introvert, I can't even imagine what your thought process would be. And I'm a professionally religious person. Like they pay me to be religious. And so I'm like I'm like the professional religious person and I'm an extrovert. And so it's like, and I, even in the category of extrovert, I'm the most extroverted person I know. Like I don't know anyone who likes talking to strangers as much as I do. Uh, and so just some context. So your struggle if you're different than me would be even greater. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to talk to this guy. This is so uncomfortable. We're on a plane. We're squished in. His arm hairs are touching my arm hairs. Like, I was like, I don't want to talk to him right now, God, about Jesus. And I was like, and then I started thinking about it. I'm literally on this missions trip, so to speak. I'm traveling around Australia, speaking at churches, to youth groups, and to, to churches on Sundays, telling them you are loved, and let's live from that place of identity. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, well, wait, I am so loved and this guy is so loved. And then I was sitting there I'm like, what if what if he doesn't know? And what if God in this moment you allow me to have a moment with this guy that your love can break in in a fresh way?" And then I'm thinking, "Well, he might already know." And then even still, God, maybe your love can break into this his heart in a greater way." And I'm sitting there I'm like, "Oh, no. So I'm like, okay, okay, and then so then I kind of paused the, uh, or I was listening to a book, so I stopped listening to my book and I started listening to some worship music, and I I just prayerfully thought of a few things. I just said, okay, God, anything for this guy. I'm try- I'm trying to grow in power. There's a there's a desperate hunger in my heart for the power of God, for the purpose of the love of God. You understand that? There's a, this, it, and just it's it's quite recent. This real eagerly desire. That's what 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul writes to the church the, in Corinthians. What country is Corinthian, Corinth in? Corinth. What country is it in? Greece? Oh, cool. So he's writing to his Greek friends and he's saying, how did Greeks, what's a Greek accent? Eh, opa. Like, I don't know. He's writing to his Greek friends and he says, this is what he says, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And then he says, especially that you would prophesy. Now, prophecy over through the years, even in this very building, has had a lot of damaging effects in the church. Prophecy is like knives, I think of it like knives. Or, you know, it's like knives, it's like they're very useful and you can hurt people with them, right? If they're misused and, you, you know, and put in the wrong hands. And so that's happened even in this, this the, the history of the family of, of Hillside Community Church back in Austin Avenue. Prophecy is like a knife. It can be used to, but it's like we never would think about throwing out knives. Of course we're going to keep using knives. And we're going to use them responsibly because they're really helpful. And that's like prophecy. And it says, that's what Paul writes to the Greeks. He says, guys, he says, follow the way of love eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you would prophesy. So right now, there's a desperation in my heart, a hunger in my heart, this eagerly desire. Something just woke up in my heart. It was about a month ago, and I can tell you about that after if you want to ask me about how this hunger awoke in my heart. But I'm so hungry. But this is the important part. It's from love and to love. It's from identity in Christ to identity in Christ. The purpose is I'm hungry for power for. My own heart to know who I am, and for other people to know who they are. They're so loved. So I'm sitting on this plane next to this guy, arm hairs touching, very uncomfortable. And I'm thinking to myself, God, and I'm really new. I don't know how to hear God that well. I'm practicing. I'm trying to get better at it. And I'm saying, God, is there anything you want to say about this guy, or break in and encourage him about? And I just got this picture of this guy leaning over a shiny red car, and I'm like, maybe he has a shiny red car and then I was kind of kept thinking, and I was thinking about him, and I was thinking, uh, oh, he, I wonder if he has a daughter. Just a thought. These thoughts are coming to my mind. I wonder if he has a daughter that he's estranged from, that, or that God really cares about, and I was like, what is it? And I'm just asking questions in my heart to God. God, is, is it? what about, he has a daughter? Does he have a daughter? Does he, is he estranged? Because these are just thoughts, and so I'm trying to interact with the Lord on these. And then, uh, so there was, I think there was that, estranged from his daughter, shiny red car, Oh, and then there was one other thing that came to my mind. And I remember uh, sitting there, and then I'm like, oh no, how do I bring this up? Like, this is so uncomfortable, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, oh no, what do you just say? Hey, man, do you have a red car or something? <sighs> You, or do I? Or do I say? And I, this, I'm listening to like different teachers on the prophetic, and one of the guys, he's from LA, and so he uses a phrase like, "Hey, I'm just having a spiritual moment here," and and that really, that really could work in a place like Vancouver or LA, where people are like really openly like, "Yes, spiritual. I'm spiritual, not religious." You know what I mean? Like, but in other parts of the world, like Australia, maybe they're not so much that way. They're just kind of like they either are in or they're no, 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 I don't want anything to do with this. So, so, I gotta speed up the story, guys. It's not much of a story, just to warn you. It's more about, I mean, you got the most of the story just there. Because I'm I'm just like, what if, what if God would be so gracious as to speak something to my mind and my heart that would break in his love for this man and his family? I'm like, oh man, that would be just like our father, hey? He loves this guy so much. So I tried to get consumed with love for him. Because I was like, I don't want to operate from the place of guilt and and religious checklist anymore. I've lived too long in my walk with Jesus from the place of, uh, you know, this idea of like, Jesus doesn't say, hey, come follow this list of religious rules. No, he says, come follow me. Go with me. I'll send you. I'll put my spirit in you. Let's go. Let's change the world together. He doesn't say, come follow this list of rules. No, I don't want that. I'm just, I've am just i lived too much of my Christian life attaching my relationship with God to how well I'm performing and achieving. And it just like destroys us. And so I'm like, I don't want that. So I'm sitting there and I'm saying, the only way I'm talking to this guy is if I love him. So I said, God, just show me your heart of love for this guy. And just thinking about how much God loves someone, helps you love them a little bit more. And so I just started thinking and praying for them, right? I was like, okay. So then I say to him over the meal, the meal comes and we get, oh, what are you having? And then, like, oh, you're going to Brisbane for work or is it home for you? He's like, yeah, home. So just airplane talk. And where did you live there? Where you okay, cool. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to go for it. So I say, Hey, I use this language like this guy from the YouTube video that I was listening to. I said, hey, I'm just having a bit of a spiritual moment here. (laughs) And I'm I'm like, just some questions, random questions I said are coming to my mind for you. I'm like, can I ask you a few random questions? And he was like, ah, nah. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I was like, and then I was like, uh (laughs) <laughs> and then I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then I'm like, oh, fair. <laughs> and then I was like, I guess that's why I asked. I don't want to like force it on you, I said. He's like, yeah, OK. And then, <laughs> and then the flight attendant had said the cake, she had offered us a coconut lemon cake. And I was like, I don't want it." And then she's like, it's actually good. And so I took it. And then he started eating his cake I was like, is it good cake? (laughs) He was like, yeah, not bad. And that was the last thing we said to each other though. (laughs) And then I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like, what do I do now? And so it was like, you can imagine it was a little bit more uncomfortable, but also I was like, ah. I just thought, nope, nope, I'm not gonna let this be more uncomfortable. And then I went through this debrief process and I thought to myself, okay, what's going on here? And then the first thing I thought was, well, I shouldn't have asked him if I could ask him a question. That's a stupid thing to ask. N- not stupid, I mean, like, you know, but it's stupid. Like, <clears throat> I, I should have asked him if, like, hey, random question, do, do you have a daughter? Or I could have just done the whole thing conversationally. I could have just said, "Hey, what, what's, what's your family back home? What's it look like?" And just not even told him any of the stuff that it came to my heart. I don't know, right? There's a lot of options here, but I definitely think that next time I won't say, "Hey, could I ask you a spiritual question?" I'm not going to ask someone that. I'm just going to ask them the spiritual question. Hey, I'm gonna—I I might say something like, "Hey, this is random, but do you have a red car? <laughs> you know, or, or do you have—do you have a daughter?" And then he'd be like, "What do you mean? Why are you asking me that?" I was like, "Oh, because I just—I'm." I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm practicing hearing from God, and i just trying to get a sense of God's heart and love for you. You know, I don't know what I would say. Or, I do the whole thing, I just skip it, I don't bring that into it, and I just skip it, and I just go conversationally the whole time. And maybe God keeps showing me things, and, and I don't know, maybe I just s- say conversation and find out about his family, and just talking, and do it kind of more normal, conversational. But... The reason I like the power, the, the, the random kind of just going for it, like, hey, I'm trying to hear God's voice and hear his heart for you. The reason I like that is because there's this hunger inside my heart for power for the sake of love. Because when someone knows something about you and they say, God just told me this. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing that came to my mind. A random date came to my mind. I was like December 2nd. So I was going to just say, hey, does December 2nd mean it? Is that an important date for you? Does that mean anything to you? Because imagine if it was his birthday and then I got to tell him, Hey, I think maybe God brought that to my mind because he's been thinking of you since before the creation of the world. That's what it tells us in Ephesians, right? It says before the foundation of the world, he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. I love Eugene Peterson's translation. It says, long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he chose us. Or he thought of us and settled on us as the focus of his love. I love that. Long before, so maybe God would give me his birthday, and so what, what happens then? When you get a word of knowledge, all of a sudden what happens is, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm known and loved. Like, you feel that. Wait, what, how would this person know this date? Now, what's crazy then is I didn't have any of these conversations with the guy. Then I thought, well, maybe do I just throw one more at him like, as we're getting off the plane or something? Like, hey, man, does December 2nd mean anything to you? Like, just throw it at him and see what happens. But then I was like, no, I think that would be more for me because I really want to know because I'm trying to learn how to hear God's voice. So I don't know if that was God or if it was just a thought. And that's important to me. It's important to me to start tracking whether or not I'm hearing from God or I'm not. Right? That's part of what's happened historically with the prophetic and words of knowledge stuff is there's no accountability. There's no responsibility. I want to track it. I want to write it down on my phone and find out, did, did it make sense for this person? You know, I want to, like, I really want to be responsible and accountable and, and, and figure it out. Like, and so, I'm, there's this hunger in my heart. And I hope that's why I wanted to, I'm telling you this story and I'm, t- I'm bringing this up for you is because I think... God wants to awaken that hunger for you too, not just a hunger for more spiritual power and gifts for the sake of love, from love and to love, but to, to remind us today that the place we are sent from and even with is a place of we're so dearly loved. We're so loved. I, um, I have a nephew, Christian, and Clara. I have a nephew, Christian, and I, uh, my niece, his name is Clara. And she, uh, or they're my my oldest niece and nephew. We have a bunch of nieces and nephews and goddaughters. And uh, they're the oldest. So they're like, he's my number one. I call him Cristiano. We're not Italian, but I think it sounds cool. Saying, hey, Cristiano. And so uh, I call him Cristiano. And I started doing this thing with him years ago that I was inspired by my Egyptian friend's grandfather. My Egyptian friend's grandfather, we called him Papa Nazem. And uh, Papa Nazem would, he would, uh, he would, if you were friends with his grandkids, you, he, this, is what, he, this, he, this is how he treated you. And this is the same, actually, as, as Dorothy's dad, D- Dave Wood. He would always, if you were friends with his grandkids, you became his, he was like, oh, you're my grandkid too. And they, I remember Dave Wood, he would just, you come up and he'd just hug you and kiss you. He would hug so hard it would hurt, like, he kind of like get y- his chin in your neck and it was like, ah, it would hurt for a minute. But I felt really loved, you know what I mean? Like, he loved me and he kissed me on my cheek. This is a man kissing me on the cheek and I'm like, what's going on? This is like, it's like, like I feel so uncomfortable right now and yet so loved. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I was just like, wow. And I remember I was at, uh, Papa Nazim passed away, and I was at his funeral, and I was thinking, why, why does it, like, everyone was getting up, there's hundreds of people there, and everyone's getting up talking about how loved they are. And it's the same at Dave's funeral, wasn't it? Everyone was talking about how great Dave was, and how uh, loved they felt by him. And I remember just being so struck at these memorials, these funerals, of these men who'd, who'd intentionally shown their love. They were very verbal and and, and physical with their love. They didn't hold back. And I thought to myself, I remember thinking to myself, uh, I want to do this for my niece and nephew, and everyone I meet, but my niece and nephew especially. And Christian at the time was six, and Claire was four. And Papa Nazim would he'd hug, and he'd kiss you on the cheek, and then he'd look me right in the eyes, and he'd say, and he's Egyptian, and he'd say, so don't make fun of my Arabic accent, but I'm going to try it. He would say, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. I love you. You're my precious, precious son. He'd hold me. He'd have my hands on her shoulders. So this this feeling of like this is really uncomfortable, and I feel really loved right now. And so I started doing this thing. I thought I'm going to start doing that with my niece and nephew. And so I, so Christian, I said, Hey, Christian, and I was like, I realized that we, and because the, the thought was, I realized we weren't connecting eye to eye very much. You know, you don't. It's not often that you're looking at. a Child, especially a six and four year old, in the eye. You maybe play together, you hang out together, but you don't look him in the eye. So I said, I'm going to look him in the eye. So I started doing this thing where I said, Look at my face. So before we'd hang out, and then at the end of our time together, uh, I'd say, Hey, Christian. I say, Come here, look at my face. Come here, look at my face. And he's like, What's going on? First few times, like, What's going on? And I put my hands on his shoulders, and I say, I love you so much. And he's kind of looking away. I say, No, look at my face. I was like looking at my face, and I just look him right in the eyes, and I say, "I love you so much, man. I'm proud of you." And then I'd like highlight something good that he'd done that day. I'd say, "Oh man, I saw you like your sister was falling off the couch, and you grabbed her, and you saved you saved her life, man. You're such a good big brother. I just love you so much. You know, Auntie Melissa, I love you, right?" And so I started doing this, and I did to Clara as well. And uh, like two or three months later, it was probably about three months later, and I'd do it every few weeks. I say, "So I'm about to leave." I say, "Hey, Christian, come here. Look at my face," and he he runs up. He's gonna. Like, just ready to receive, right? And I was like, whoa, that's so beautiful. It's working. It's working, right? And then Clara, I'm, Clara, come here, look at my face. And she comes up. She's four. And I, I say them, and it's almost like Christians like purring as I'm, I'm encouraging her. You know, it's like that love languages thing. You know, it's like some people's words of affirmation are like really their thing. And Clara comes up, and I look her right in the face. I said, Auntie Melissa and I, we love you so much. We're so proud of you. And she goes, I know. You always tell me that! (laughs) And I was like... Yeah, it's because it's true, Claire. I said I'm not gonna stop telling you that. I'm gonna keep telling you that till the day I die. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about this picture of just coming close and like just looking him right in the face. I love you so much. I love you so much. And uh, and now there's this song by DJ Khaled on one of his albums with his little kid on the front in the hot tub. And his his DJ Khaled is this artist, and he has this song with Ch- featuring Chance the Rapper. And he and he says and it's called I Love You So Much. And it goes here. Maybe just turn my microphone up, Caleb. Play I Love You So Much by DJ Khaled. I gotta turn my phone up. He just keeps going, I love you so much. So with my later ne- ne- nephews, uh, my nephew Sebastian, he's three now. Last night when we said, hey, what are you thankful for? He's three. And he goes, I'm thankful for the whole family. And we're like, oh, that's so sweet. Me too. Uh, and so, but Sebastian, I, he was like, I, I always, I dance to it. I put that song on. And I go, I love you so much. I love you so much. It's another way of physically showing people that I love them. Carol, you understand? Like, it's just a different, it's not the same as, I love you so much. I wait till he's a bit older. Right now, I'm dancing and pointing and saying, and we were FaceTiming him when we were in Australia, and he goes, How are you enjoying your holiday to Australia? I'm like, Wow, that's quite a sentence for a three year old. And then I was like, Okay, guys, see you later. I love you so much. And then Sebastian goes, I love you so much. I love you so much. I love you so much. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting distracted now. Now I just tell stories of my nieces and nephews all morning, but I'm getting distracted. But the point is, actually, that I wonder, like, I think about that face, this Dave Wood just creeping in close, kissing you right on the cheeks. He would be a, a wet kisser. He'd just kiss you right on the cheeks. And do you know what that reminds me of? Have you heard that song we sang? It was a few years ago. There's a song. Um, uh, it was, uh, Oh, how he loves us, so, oh. oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. Some of you have heard that song. And then there's this part of the song that goes, and heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. But they, changed, they edited it for like some church versions. So some churches sing, and you, I don't know which one you get. It was like, and heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. And my heart turns violently inside of me. So they, but they edited the song. And in the song originally, a guy named John Mark McMillan, I, met, I think his wife maybe wrote it with him. He wrote this song, this, heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. And I think the image that comes to mind is Dave Wood and and the the father in the prodigal son story. He runs towards his son who was far, far off. He has compassion on him. He runs to him. He embraces him, and he's kissing him. He's kissing him, and he's embracing him, and he's kissing him. Now, what happens to us when we allow heaven to meet our hearts like a sloppy, wet kiss? Not based on anything we've done. Or not done. Because the older I get, the more I realize I just can't quite measure up. And what I do sometimes mentally is I I think my sin separates me from God in the same way that it used to before I ever started following Jesus. Before I first received forgiveness in Christ. It's like the, the image I used to teach kids at VBS. Even in this very building, you know you have a chasm between. There's us and then there's a huge chasm between. And there's God on the other side. Have you ever seen this kind of, this diagram of like salvation? And it's like, it's really beautiful because there is a chasm. And in Romans it says that all have fallen short, all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. So this is the, the classic picture of Christianity. Us on one side, God on the other side, an uncrossable chasm on our own. Even the best of us, by our own righteous good acts, can't make it across. And then insert the cross. And we just kind of ignore that it becomes a bridge that has a really big wall in the middle of it. we just kind of say, oh, there's a door through it or there's like a ladder. You can, if you draw this person really big, you can just kind of hop over and keep walking. Like, but the cross, there's the image of the cross. Why? Because Jesus on the cross took your sin. He took my sin. He took everything you'd done wrong, everything I'd done wrong. He took what we were saying today. He took our, the, the shame, the curse of our shame, the guilt. He took the, our addictions, our fear. He took it all on himself on the cross. And he, And then it says he went into the grave and the way I picture it is he defeated this is what the scripture says we were were even singing it this morning he conquered the grave and he rose from the dead now but all that stuff is defeated sin, death, and the grave is defeated and Jesus resurrected in power the only reason I'm a Christian today is because the, the historical evidence pointing towards Jesus' literal resurrection from the dead blows my mind and then I've met him now so I can't turn back now I've met him because a resurrected king, now we know him and we follow him. And he's in our midst. And he, Ephesians says he dwells in our hearts through faith. You know him. You know his voice. What we do sometimes, though, is we go, we jump back and forth. We, we treat it like our, our identity is changing every time we sin. We think that our sin separates us from God. Because it did separate us from God. In the humanity sense, in the, before you first received Christ, your sin separated you from God. Your sin doesn't separate you from God. If you have received forgiveness in Jesus, your sin doesn't separate you from God. Now, even to say that, I'm, I know I'm saying it to kind of make some of our religiousness kind of bristle a little bit. Wait, what are you saying? No, no, really, your sin? Read the New Testament. Do you think your sin is more powerful than the cross? Is your sin more powerful than what Jesus accomplished on the cross? His resurrection from the grave? And now he's like, oh, you can't now you, I can't see your face because of your sin. There's that psalm, right? I think it's in Isaiah 59, and there's another psalm that says his, his, his face is hidden from us, from our sin. His face isn't hidden from you. Are you kidding me? Look at Jesus. He came into the world. Who did he spend his time with? Did their sin separate them from Jesus? No, he actually went for meals at Zacchaeus' house. He hung out with tax collectors and sinners. When he was accused, he was accused of hanging out with sinners. Now, your sin, I'm not saying your sin doesn't matter and how you live doesn't matter. Let me bring it back around for for people who are really getting uncomfortable with my crazy doctrine. Your sin does affect your intimacy with God. Of course it does. Just as the same as your sin affects intimacy, or not the same, but similarly, your sin affects your intimacy with other people. The things, the selfish decisions you make, of course they affect your intimacy with people. But they, they don't, you, you don't start again. And you don't start again in your relationship with God. Sometimes we treat it like it's a ladder. If I could just keep going up and get closer to God. And then we fall down. And we try again. And we fall down. We fall, try again fall down. And after you've been following Jesus long enough, what happens is mentally we go, I can't make it up there. So we settle for this, settle for this mediocre level of life in christ and i'm a christian and we don't hope for too much pray for too much we don't we 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 don't ask for too much blessing and it's this mediocre kind of faith version of faith and jesus on the cross took the whole ladder system and he grabbed it and he threw it out he said "No, no this is a relationship i made a way for you to know me i restored i paid the price your your sin isn't more powerful than the the cross and his purity, and his, the, the, the victory and of the power of the resurrection. And what we do when we do this, when we attach our willingness to receive his love to, uh, to our performance, is we're actually putting ourselves in, on the cross. We're saying, okay, Jesus, you're, you're, what you did on the cross wasn't quite enough, so I'm going to separate myself mentally from you, and put myself on the cross, in the penalty box. And he's just like, you're my kid, you're my kid, I love you. You're my beloved. I made a way for you to know me. God demonstrated in Romans 5 8, God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, before you even were alive, before you even sinned your first sin and sinned your last sin, he died for you because he loves you. And that's so he wouldn't be separated from you. Yes, your intimacy is affected. I'm not saying your relationship, your sin has no effect in your relationship with God. Of course it does. Just like it does in your relationships. But it's It's different. And so we have to stop attaching our performance and our ability to receive His love, and then therefore live things out uh, with the list. Chuck the list out. It's relationship, and we we love because we're first loved. We we heal because we're being healed and been healed. We we we're, we help set people free because we've been set free. We serve because He first served us, and so then there's this mission that, that wells up inside of that we. I'm blessed to be a blessing. And you have to receive his love or else it's like, it's, it's like you can go around trying to bless people all you want. You're just going to run out. You're going to dry up. You're going to burn out. And, it's, and it will be way less fulfilling. It will be more guilt driven and like obligation driven. That's not what Christ has for you, church. What he has for us is to be paired up on mission with him. Have a little bit of openness in our hearts to the people, our friends, our family, our colleagues, and even strangers who don't know him to the poor and the marginalized in society that he would be doing something so significant in our hearts that we would so know we're loved that there would be an overflow. Yeah, just like, that's what I want for our hearts this morning. I'd love for us to end our time together praying. I want to tell you one more story. Um, I... uh, so it was a couple months ago and um, I, so we moved our Alpha offices for Alpha Canada and Alpha. we have an Alpha International, Vancouver office is kind of right next to it. So we moved them actually to New Westminster. So we're on Columbia Street. You know where the laugh lines used to be with the faces on the wall? There used to be a painted mural of people lined up on the wall. That's So we're right in that building, right? There used to be a sushi restaurant and so people still come in for sushi and they go like this and they see us and we're like, hey! <laughs> and then they're kind of disappointed. No sushi, sorry dude. Uh, and so. We're right down there. So I went down there. I'm on Columbia Street, and I'm going down to get a coffee at Starbucks. And uh, I don't always go to Starbucks, okay? Like, there's also one called Old Crow that's really good down there, and Hive City, which is really good. Anyhow, uh, (laughs) depending if you're like a coffee snob, then I just, I mix it up, okay? I'm walking for coffee. And I didn't see the, the, what happened. I didn't see this lady fall. But I kind of look up and this woman has fallen on the ground. Her coffee spilled everywhere. Another woman with a, with a baby stroller is helping her. Oh my gosh, are you okay? She's flat out. She's like, oh, she's in pain. She's rolling around. Leather jacket, dark hair, lots of earrings, tattoos. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? And then I kind of start talking to her. I'm like, okay, let me help. Gradually helped her up, brought her over to a park bench. And I said, okay. And she, her wrist is really hurt and her ankle's really hurt. She had real high heels, so she'd gone over in her high heels. And so I was like, okay, this is, I'm like, th- first it was natural. I was like, of course, I got to help. You just help. Like, like anyone, you help when you see someone totally bail on the sidewalk. I say, okay, I'm helping. And then it started to be like, oh, maybe this is a moment to actually continue to show God's love to this woman. So then I said, okay, hey, I'm going to get a coffee. Um, let me be right back. Uh, let me, I'm going to ask Starbucks to get your coffee again, like, oh, what, what kind did you have, and it was a really gross drink, it was like a triple, f- quadruple pump mocha, like, it was like crazy, okay, you know, I, like, is gross, and, <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll get you another one of those, <laughs> and I, maybe I'm the coffee snob. <laughs> Oops, wow, Lord's just convicting my heart, <laughs> I go down to the Starbucks, they, they're like, oh, okay, of course. They're like, yeah, I remember the drink, because it's, it's a drink. And so I bring it back, and I'm like, oh, God, like, like I'm like, God, I'm going to ask her if I can pray for her, because I think she's hurt, and I want to, would you heal her, would you restore her? So I sit down, I start talking to her, I say, hey, you mind if I sit, I'm, can I can eat my lunch? And I just sit on the bench next to her, talking to her, uh, has, she has her drink, she keeps, every once in a while, she's wincing in pain, because her wrist is still hurting, she can't really hold things, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is not good. And I'm like, hey, maybe you need to get checked out. She, we start talking. She starts sharing her life with me and starts telling me about. Uh, this is someone who had a really tough background. I don't know all the stuff that's happened. Sounds like she was at some point she was a single mom and uh, and kind of really struggling. Now she's living in her her dad's garage or something like that. Uh, and she's and it's like she shouldn't. She's not the age where you would be proud of living in your dad's garage. And and it's kind of like. Like, we were just having this conversation, and I, go, she talk, and I said, oh, what do you do? And, you know, I'm talking about church a little bit. She goes, oh, I did church a little bit. And then I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. So I said, hey, could I pray for your wrist to be healed? I said, so I believe God heals people, and he really loves you. And I said, okay, so, I'm gonna, so I prayed for her wrist to be healed. And I was like, and I was like I'm going to ask even, any less pain, try using it. Like, because I'm just, he's so kind, so, what? like, he'll, he'll heal if we keep asking, and so I'm like, okay. And she was like, no. And I was like, let me pray again. I, I think I prayed twice at least, maybe three times, and there wasn't really any measurable uh, change. I also was praying that she would sense his love. And then I thought, I, I don't know if I'll ever see this woman again. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna tell her how loved she is. So I said, I looked her in the eyes, and I said, you, I said her name, and I said, you are so loved. I said, I care about you, and I said, God cares about you. And even if you haven't felt that, you are so loved. And I, I'm like, it's kind of a weird thing to say to a stranger, <laughs> Just, like I said, I was going for it. And she's crying. She starts crying. And we have this exchange. And I leave the exchange a little bit. kind of finished. And I, was, I leave the exchange. And to be honest, I was a little bit discouraged. Because I'm so hungry to see his power break in for the purpose of love. And I was sharing it with some friends later that night. And this guy said, man, you missed it. He goes, God met her through you. Like, it wasn't about the healing. It was about the, uh, the whole encounter. And then I was like, oh, yeah. And the thing that happened was, that she literally said to me, she goes, you know what this conversation reminds me of? Uh, and this made me really sad. And it was, then, it was encouraging for me, but it made me really sad. Because she basically then compared it to, it reminds me of another conversation I had on a park bench when my daughter was young. We were playing at a park, and there was this older gentleman sat down, and we had a conversation and then she goes, and then I turned around and he was gone. So she was like, he might have been an angel, right? She was pumped. And, and she goes, it reminds me of that conversation, tears in her eyes. So she, it made me really sad because she's saying this brief conversation is the second most impactful conversation I've ever had in my life that I can remember. And I'm like, my heart's breaking, right? But then I'm like, oh, yeah, that was the moment. God, let me be a part of that moment. And so then now I'm kind of looking at it through a different lens. It wasn't just about was her wrist healed or not. It was about, hey, I'm partnering, partnering with God to bless people, to love people. When I see a pregnant person, I want to bless their baby. When I, see, when I hear people are getting married, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, oh, my gosh, you're engaged. This is amazing. And I say, can I pray for your wedding? Can I bless you? Right? There's, we get to be people of blessing, people of love. We partner with God in our friendships, in our relationships, in our families. I want us to end our time together uh, by praying together. And I wonder if, if just in these last few moments, you, you'd be willing to stand. Why don't we stand together now? We we're, we're gonna sing, but um, I talked too long. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to get Lincoln up to pray a blessing over you after I pray with you. <laughs> but I wanna just pray. Why don't we just take like 40 seconds or, or a minute and just wait on God and ask him to fill our hearts with his love. God, I think of my relationship with uh, Papa Nazim and Grandpa Dave, and God, I ask right now that you would meet our hearts as a, a father who is way better, who's more kind, who's more passionate in his love for us. So right now, would you come close to our hearts that we would know we're loved, that you don't send us without going with us and before us, Yeah, we just wait on you. We ask you to fill our hearts, refresh us again. Let's just wait a moment. We receive your love, God. Forgive us for attaching our willingness to receive your love to our performance. It feels wrong to receive it even when we're struggling in our selfishness. But God, help us. And maybe I'll, I'll pray this for you from Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.